This is um, Pentecost Sunday, the 15th of May, but I want to begin by calling your attention to something that takes place on Epiphany Sunday, January the 6th. Then, immediately following the gospel, the priest, the deacon, or another minister who can actually sing proclaims the date of Easter and the movable feasts of the coming year. And any one of us could get the same information by consulting a calendar, and there we would find out that Easter 2017, for example, falls on April the 16th, that next Ascension Thursday will be the 25th of May, and that Pentecost next year will be June the 4th. But the proclamation of the movable feasts is not merely information about dates on a calendar. It's a reminder that we move through the church year. We don't, as we move through it, we don't just pass time or mark time or spend time or do time or waste time. We hallow time as we observe the solemnities, the feasts, the memorials, and the ferial days of the liturgical year. And at the center of gravity of all of this liturgical prayer, there are three principal solemnities, Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. All the other solemnities, all the movable feasts, the memorials, revolve around them like planets around the sun drawn by the dense gravitational field of divine revelation and the church's faith in a God who becomes one of his own creatures, suffers, dies, rises, and pours out his Holy Spirit on his ecclesia, his called-out body that is the church. But Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost have been so completely colonized by 2,000 years of Christian theology and liturgy that we're likely to forget that they all have their origins not in the Christian but in the Jewish calendar. Christmas and Hanukkah fall roughly about the same time. This year Hanukkah begins on the 24th of December and ends on January the 1st. Same for Easter. Next year Easter will be April 16th right in the middle of the Jewish Passover. So it comes as no surprise that Jews have been observing Pentecost since Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. On the Jewish calendar, it's called Shavuot, which means 50 days, short for 50 weeks, or Pentecoste Hemera. And this year, it falls on June the 11th to the 13th, rather than because our Pentecost observance because of the leap year. Its name comes from the Feast of Weeks that originated in Leviticus 23, where God tells the Israelites to present the new grain from the barley harvest 50 days from the second day of Passover. So the Greek word is Pentecostehemera, literally means 50 days. The people of the covenant celebrate Shavuot in a variety of ways. The Ten Commandments are publicly read in synagogues, as well as the Book of Ruth, because King David, who died on Shavuot, was a descendant of Ruth the Moabite. Families light the uh, menorah to usher in the feast and eat traditional dairy foods like blintzes and krepla and cheesecake because King Solomon 
in the Song of Songs says that the Torah is compared to milk, like honey and milk, it lies under your tongue. Houses and synagogues are decorated with greenery and flowers because of a tradition that says that Mount Sinai blossomed with flowers in anticipation of the giving of the law, and it's customary to stay up all night reading Torah. By the look on your faces, I can see that you are suffering from a condition known as TMI, too much information. On the other hand, knowing the Jewish background to the Christian observance of Pentecost gives an added dimension to the feast that we're likely to take for granted or even dismiss as not as relevant if we're not members of a Pentecostal church where people speak in tongues and experience charismatic gifts. And knowing this background also helps put us inside the mind of St. Luke as he composed the account of that first Pentecost because Luke himself would have assumed that you and I would be familiar with the Jewish origins of the feast. And to some extent, we need to be in order to understand the narrative arc of the story and its theological significance as to the way we celebrate Pentecost. And that narrative begins with those tiny details in the reading of the Torah all night, staying up all night to read it, or in eating of dairy foods, because Shavuot is not just an agricultural feast where the fruits of the barley harvest are presented in the temple to thank God that this year there will be no famine. It's also the feast of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai more than 3,000 years ago. According to Exodus 19, when the children of Israel escaped from Egypt on the first Passover, they were led by Moses through the desert to Mount Sinai. We all know that story. That journey took Pentecost Hemera, 50 days. Once there, Moses went up the mountain of God, and when he came down, he brought with him the Torah, in which God gave his people their identity as a chosen nation and revealed how they should act in the world as salt and light. Well, as Christians, we tell a similar story how for 40 days the Lord appeared to his disciples in his risen body and then ascended into heaven. And just as Moses ascended Mount Sinai, where he received the law and brought it down to Israel, so after his ascension on the 50th day, Christ sends down the Holy Spirit who writes the new law, not in tablets of stone, but in our hearts. Both Christian and Jewish celebrations are about how God takes us where we are and works within human history to create a new humanity who will be his image-bearing stewards. And he gives to his people a conversatio, a way of life by which they will carry out his plan for the salvation and the sanctification of the world. At Sinai, that way of life is enshrined in Torah, at Pentecost, it is the gospel written in the hearts of you and I, all the baptized. But in the end, we're not celebrating an event that happened in some distant past, but in the ever-present power of Christ's resurrected life released in and through the church. We are, to borrow an image from Shavuot, the first fruits of an immense harvest of human souls made possible 
by the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do in this Eucharist, as in every Eucharist, is to invoke again the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, asking that we might be God's new humanity created in the divine image, and so that we may also be the breath of Christ's presence, his fragrance in the world.